Welcome to Maximum Mom with Elise Bowie, where you'll hear from women who are navigating the same messy journey as you. Lawyering, entrepreneurship, and mothering. What a trifecta. We're here to share tips, resources, wins, losses, and encouragement for moms who are raising a family while building a law firm. So you feel less alone in your journey toward a fulfilling career and being the best mom you can be. Welcome to the Maximum Mom Podcast. I am so excited today. Welcome, Stacy. Hi, Elise. How are you? I am great. Well, first, let me introduce you to everybody so that they will know why I am so excited. Today, we have founder and owner Stacy Freeman. She's a New York City-based writer and the former lifestyle editor at Worthy.com, the premier online auction house for pre-owned luxury goods. She's written extensively on lifestyle topics, including career reinvention, health and wellness, personal finance, divorce, and parenting. Stacy owns Right on Track. It's a full-service consultancy dedicated to bringing its clients the highest quality content and strategy tailored to their personal and professional needs. I must say that I am completely biased towards Stacy. She is an amazing part of our larger team. She does a lot of writing for my office, and I could not be more grateful to have her here today. Stacy, welcome, and I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad to be here. Yes, I'm so excited. Okay, well, first, I always just like to start out so we can get it out of the way because it is called the Maximum Mom Podcast. So we like to figure out, tell us who makes you a mom. Tell us who's in your family. Who's your little zoo at home? Uh, we got a zoo here. Um, <laughs> so I am a single mom of three. My oldest daughter is 22. I have another daughter who's 21 and a son who is 17. And if anybody is out there with little kids who thinks it gets easier, it's just different. It's super yeah. busy. <laughs> just no one's putting a fork in, you know, the electric socket, but it's different. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they might be taking apart the electric socket and trying it's to rewire the entire house because they've decided that they could do it better. I mean, good point. (laughs) (laughs) Never know what's going to (laughs) happen. Never know what is going to happen. I mean, I joke that when mine were literal, I felt like I spent all this time trying to physically keep them alive. Then when they were older, I was trying to stay ahead of them mentally to keep them alive. I was like, whatever hair-brained ideas you're coming up with, let's not go there. That's a Uh, great way to look at it. (laughs) It's it's so true. Oh my gosh, it's wild. (laughs) Well, I am just so excited because I know recently, I mean, didn't your new book just come out like super recently? It's on pre-order now, actually. It's coming out on November 15th. So I am beyond excited about it. It's been years in the making, literally years. So yeah. It has. You have to tell us the title because the title is like the greatest. Okay. The title is I Bought My Husband's Mistress Lingerie. And I will tell you, it is a spoiler. I did do that. (laughs) And, but the book is just kind of, it tells my story, but it's all from a positive perspective of, you know, having an event happen in your life as all of us do. And then kind of figuring out, okay, I'm reeling from this, but, you know, I have things going on. I have responsibilities. How am I going to handle this? How am I going to push through? And how am I going to come out the other side? What am I going to do now? So that's what this story is about. It's such a powerful, powerful story. Well, tell us a little bit. I mean, 
how old were your kids when this was happening? I mean, now they're kind of grown, you know, almost all grown, doing great. But I mean, where were you when this happened? I was actually sitting in my house, you know, a few feet away from where I am sitting now. I was married, taking care of three kids. Uh, I think there were 11, 10, and six at the time, you know, doing what moms do. I was a stay-at-home mom, so I was carpooling nonstop, making dinner, (laughs) doing laundry. Just, you know, I woke up and it was just like a marathon, you know, every day, different than it is now, but nonetheless a marathon. And one day uh, I saw my husband's suitcase sitting in my bedroom and he had been traveling a lot. He'd been living in Hong Kong for the previous two years, commuting back and forth. And this is all in the book. Long story short, I found something in that suitcase, which led me to believe that it wasn't just us in our marriage. So, you know, at that point, you know, it was like a lifetime, you know, movie of the week. And you know, my life changed forever at that point. So Uh, I I really, I can't even imagine the emotion that you had to go through in that moment. There you are in your home discovering this. You still have three kids in the marathon you're running every single day. That doesn't stop. That doesn't go away. You don't get a a marathon pass where you can't go, you know, take a water break for a month while you regroup. I mean, no, I had to go make the lunches for the next day. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay, it wasn't quite like, okay, but you know, I still had to walk downstairs and prepare school lunches. I mean, I really cannot even imagine what that was. I mean, what would you say is your proudest moment, literally in those first moments, like that first month, first six months, I mean, what was your proudest moment being able to get through that? Getting through it, getting up the next day. I mean, when you're faced with something like that, you're literally on a minute to minute, hour by hour, day by day schedule of getting through your day. And it's so hard, but it's like you have to keep pushing, especially I had three kids who were depending on me. I couldn't just shut down as much as I wanted to just stop and scream. And I did scream and, you know, you know, you don't know what to do, but I couldn't stop moving forward because there were people depending on me. I just, yeah, it's so, I mean, it is such a powerful lesson in the resilience of you and of a mother who is facing this. I mean, The title of your book, I mean, when I first read the title, I was so (laughs) like, wow. And obviously, I knew a little bit about the story. So I know you and I know, you know, the person you are. How did you, how did you move from that to the spoiler? I mean, how did you get from one place to another? Well, it actually didn't take that long. And I don't want to give too much away because this is kind of, you know, it sets the whole story in motion. And it was, you know, it was kind of a powerful time in my life. But, you know, I will tell you that I did confront my husband and, you know, I'm like, what is this? And of course, I got a little bit of a runaround. But finally, you know, he said who it was for, and I shredded it up. You know, I had done this, you know, before, you know, he knew that I had destroyed it. And I, you know, when he was just finally 
you know, we were talking about it and I told him that I had destroyed this, you know, lingerie, this, you know, it was like, you know, this red lingerie and it's just, I knew it wasn't for me. And, you know, in that moment I had just cut it up. And so, but I didn't tell him that and I put it back. But the next day when we were talking, I confessed this to him and he said to me, and I think this was the big turning point. He said, I'm only going to buy her another one. So that kind of said to me, this isn't going to stop. This is where I'm at right now. And in that moment, I didn't want to be this, you know, crazy person and I didn't want to be out of control. And I guess, you know, you kind of have these out of body experiences, but I heard it coming out of my mouth, you know, I'm going to buy her another one. And I did. I actually did. So I went to the store where he had bought it. And I, you know, I talk about this in the book and I went over to the salesperson and, you know, it, it was almost like this out of body experience, but I needed to, again, get from point A to point B and I bought it. They took it home. And I put it back and I told him I put it back. I hope she never enjoyed that lingerie. (laughs) You know what? I don't care if she did or she didn't at that point, you know, my own personal bias. (laughs) (laughs) What inspired you to write a book about, I mean, this experience and I mean, real betrayal. I mean, just deep betrayal. Well, to go back a little bit further, I was married to my high school sweetheart who I met when I was 15 and he was 17 and I never dated anybody else and neither did he. So we had always been together and I never, it's not like I was ever thinking about infidelity. I never thought about these things. I trusted my husband. I never, this was for somebody else. So, you know, I just, you know, what did you even ask me? I don't even, oh, how did I get, what, what did I do next? Well, no, what inspired you to write a book oh, about to write this? A book. Well, yeah. it wasn't actually that I wanted to sit there and write a book. I wanted to go back to work. Mm-hmm. And I had tried things. I had been a stay-at-home mom. We had lived overseas. I went to law school, but I had never wanted to practice law. And at that point, it just everything was moving so quickly in my mind. And I'm like, okay, you know what? The writing's on the wall. I'm going to have to go back to work. And within about you know, I would say about six months, I kind of figured out, okay, you know what, I didn't want to practice law, then still don't want to do this. But I always wanted to write. So how do you go from never writing before never being published to putting yourself in a position to get a paid writing job? So what I did was I started a blog. And what I always said my blog was, was an online resume, and a place to kind of, you know, create like, I guess, reels or clips or whatever. But I, you know, I had written before, but I never really had something that was like driving me to write. But now I did. So I wrote, um, started a blog about my experience going through a divorce, but not just going through a divorce, single parenting, starting a career, and raising three kids by myself, all this going on at once. So I had a little bit of dating. I had a little bit of going back to work. And some of it were flashbacks. I flashed back as far back as my childhood because I had lost a parent and I'm the child of a single mother. So I make a lot of comparisons there. And then these challenges that I was going through, it was a little bit 
lifetime movie of the weekish. There were things happening. You know, I was in the middle of watching my whole life unravel and my marriage and all these cray cray things were happening. And I was trying to make sense of it. So some of it was in real time when I was writing. And then some of it were, you know, the flashbacks. And I ended up writing a blog that ran for about two years and people were reading it and it did what it was supposed to as well, which was, you know, it got noticed and I started getting picked up and publishing on uh, larger websites. So I was starting to, you know, build this online resume as I had planned. And it told this story. But then at the end of it, I was left with this enormous body of work because I treated it as a job. So I, at times, was writing four full-length articles, you know, blogs, whatever you want to call them, a week. And I treated it as a job. So, you know, I edited, I worked with it, and, you know, it was organized. And then at the end of the day, at, at the end of two years, I had all of this work, plus things that I had published elsewhere. And it kind of just sat. And in the interim, I had started getting paid work. Right. So I started an LLC in 2014. And, you know, I became an official business. And that's how I got my start. But this was kind of sitting in the background. I always had it there this work. And I always wanted to put it into a story because, but I didn't know what the ending was. So the timing was never right. Right. I didn't really, I didn't have the sense that I had did what I was supposed to do really until a few years ago. And I ended up sending the manuscript out and I got, you know, a book deal. And it was just like one of these incredible moments. I was sitting on a freelance job and I had sent this manuscript out and I got a letter, you know, email, and I'm sitting there at my desk at this freelance job reading it. And it, the way it started, it sounded like a rejection letter. And so, you know, we get a lot of submissions and, you know, it's very hard to, you know, to turn people away. And I'm like, ugh. and I kept reading and the letter said, but we, we like yours. You know, it was just this incredible moment. And that was almost three years ago. So That's when you publish things take a very long time. And even from when the manuscript, when they accepted it, unsolicited press, small press in Portland. And, you know, it's it's gone through so many iterations. And um, it's really, it, it took on a life of its own. So, you know, I'm really excited about it. Oh, it's just awesome. It makes me so happy to see it come out. I've already pre-ordered. I'm all ready to get <laughs> So like, I just think it is amazing. Well, tell us, I mean, you are somebody who has obviously mastered forgiveness somehow. I mean, what is your definition of forgiveness? Like, how have you gotten where you are now? It took a while. It takes work. There's lots of fails, you know, way back when, and nobody's perfect and including me and, you know, you have to kind of say to yourself, this is what I did, at least. I don't want to walk around feeling sick. You know, I, I don't want to internalize this anger. I really do want to move forward. And my divorce did not take a long time, by the way. Oh. We did not have this long, drawn out right. divorce. In fact, I hired a lawyer very quickly after the lingerie, but I didn't do anything about it. I got my ducks in a row. And you know, Elise, <laughs> I like to have things organized and you know, I started interviewing lawyers pretty quickly 
And um, I chose one. And, you know, I let that sit. You know, I didn't want to do anything. I wanted to see what happened because, you know, I wanted to try and make things work. I didn't know what kind of person I was. Am I forgiving? I'm not, you know, <laughs> in that way. I don't forgive that. And, but I didn't know. I wanted to, I really had to figure out, you know, what my tolerance level was. And, you know, I figured it out and I was, you know, I figured it out in a, you know, I'd say about three months time. And, you know, we briefly had gotten back together for like a week. He came home, you know, my kids were looking at me kind of strangely, like, why is dad here? And we're just like acting kind of bizarre, like, you know, happy. And it was just strange. And at that point, I'm like, what is the message I'm sending my kids? You know, it's just, they they were watching and it was quite obvious they were watching. And at some point I said to myself, I'm not going to be forgiving this and I don't want to live like this. And we were in the car driving and just something else had happened. And I just was like, I'm not doing this anymore. And I called up my lawyer. My husband was driving the car and he had said, well, let's get lawyers together. I already had a lawyer, but you know, I just, I picked up the phone and in front of him said, you know, send the letter and which was the letter, like we're done, get a lawyer. So it was kind of like, um, at that point, you know, I was kind of pushing for him to find somebody. And once he retained his own lawyer, we were done in like 11 months, which, you know, where I live pretty quick. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's a testament to my ex-husband as well, because he, you know, there was not, there was some, you know, there's normal contention in a divorce, as you know, but we had kind of said to each other, we were not going to make this a circus. So we actually had gone, we did mediation, you know, in New Jersey where I live. And, you know, we went out for a bagel after one of the mediations, you know, you're arguing in the mediation. It's like, okay, are you hungry? And, you know, so I, these things can happen. You don't need to be at each other's throats. And, you know, over the years, you know, like my ex-husband, you know, has come in the house. He sits with the kids. We go out for graduation dinners. We do these things. Right. And that's the pleasure in all of it because we, our children get to see us in the same room at the same table you know, we just had a graduation here. My daughter just graduated from college um, in May. And so, you know, we all went out to dinner. My my ex-husband, you know, threw her a party and, you know, everyone's there and both families and everybody's talking and laughing because there's history. Right. So, you know, you want to make sure and, you know, honor that because, you know, we have these children together yep. and really- the marriage is not a fail because we have these beautiful children. Right. So that's really, you know, what you have to, when all of these horrible things go wrong and believe me, I've heard so many stories and it's, it's hard, but yeah. you can't control somebody else's behavior. I can't control what he did. I'm not perfect. You know, I didn't do that, but you know, you have to own who you are, your peace in it and really just say, okay, I'm here where do I go now? And so, you know, our kids turned out, knock on wood, fantastic. No, really. And um, that, that is, that's your calling card. 
you know, for parents. And even if you're not a parent, do you want to walk around being vindictive, feeling sick? The other person's going to go on and live their life. So, you know, it becomes your problem. That's your own problem. The Guild is maximum lawyers community of lawyer entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you will build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country four times per year. And in 2023, we've added a half-day workshop to each mastermind where you'll learn new skills while working on improving systems and aspects of your personal firm. Then take the hot seat on day two and work through your most pressing challenge. It's all inside the Guild. To learn more, visit maxlawguild.com. Well, I mean, I think how you handled it from the very beginning, that when you just in your mind was like, I don't want to be that person who's cutting up the lingerie or, you know, creating this, whatever you made such an intentional decision to control your reaction and handle it differently. And really like what I call like turning that mirror on yourself and really asking yourself, like, who do I want to be in this situation? And I mean, that was a powerful, powerful stance you took so early on that probably really helped you do this through the years. I mean, it is, it is very powerful in the, the intentionality you had about your children watching you and who did you want to be? I mean, cause boy, as a divorce attorney, I can tell you, I've seen many other choices than that where people have made many other decisions than you made and their children are not in the same situation. They're not, you know, being able to go to a graduation with mom, dad, and maybe new wife and, you know, whole bit and be able to sit there and enjoy themselves. And it's a real testament to you and your ex-husband about, you know, trying to co-parent successfully. But I do want to point out that there was the moment, but we're all human and, you know, there's fails that come along and, you know, it's kind of like a one step forward, two steps back. And so, no, but really, so you can have an epiphany like I did. I really said to myself, I don't want to be this person, but you know, when you go through a divorce and I think, you know, my ex-husband can speak to this as well. I'm sure, you know, you still, even if you're the lever, there's still emotions that go along with it. You know, he was no longer going to be seeing his children as much. Um, He lives 8,000 miles away. Um, I want to add, he lives in Hong Kong. And so, you know, those realities set in. So even if you're the lever, rather than the one who was left behind, that person is still not without feelings. And I think that's what you really have to say to yourself. And I've seen that over the years. And you know, at first, like, it's very easy to say, well, this person, you know, has done something wrong. And I talk about this in the book, you know, sometimes people, you know, the actions, you know, people take in their lives, they're not defining of the quality necessarily of the person that does the acts. So they're not just, you know, a definition of who this person is. And I do delve into that a lot. So, you know, we all make mistakes. I'm not saying what he made a mistake. I'm sure he's happy with his decision. I I can't speak for him. But, 
you know, nothing is without its complications. And we all make choices in this world. So, you know, we have both had moments that we are not proud of and things we've said in front of our children that we shouldn't have, you know, I, I, I address some of these um, moments in the book, but I think the important thing to take away is that, you know, you're still on a forward moving uh, trajectory and that, you know, okay, you have to learn from these moments that may not be, you know, what you would have hoped for, but you have to keep moving forward and you get better at it. And co-parenting yeah, takes practice. It sure does. And a lot of apologies. I don't know about you, but I've had to apologize to my children numerous times for Absolutely. mistakes I have made, things I have done that and said that I shouldn't have. And I think you make such a good point about that one step forward, two steps back. I mean, I think that is very common in just a lot of things in life in general. I mean, I think we we all try to, you know, keep moving forward. But I mean, boy, is it easy to fall down and make a mistake? So easy. Yeah. We're parents. We're not perfect. It's not a perfect science. Parenting is. Oh, my God. (laughs) Every day it's unexpected. So it is. You you have to take that for what it's worth. It's completely unexpected and completely unpredictable. I mean, even you just. Oh, I feel like all the time I get. You know, I get these text messages still, and mine are even more grown than yours are. Like our youngest is 19 now. Oh gosh, he might've just turned 20. I think he's 20 now. Right, it's hard to keep track. Oh my gosh. But I'll get these text messages and they'll just say, mom, that's the beginning. And that's all I get. And I know big, bad (laughs) stuff is about to happen. And I've gotten those. (laughs) It never fails. I mean, whenever I get a mom, and of course it used to always happen. I'd be in court and I'd get these mom text (laughs) messages and I'd be like, can I have a recess? You know? And then I'd go out, I'd be like, just spit it out. You know, I've got five minutes. Like I don't have time for the long drawn out, like, you know, let me down. Just tell me like, what has happened? What do I need to know? What can I do? And, right. And, and mind you, when parenting doesn't end, well, going through all of this, I never spoke to my mother so much. Right. So. Oh, my gosh. Well, what a blessing that you had her. Thank God. Yeah. And so one of the silver linings, and I talk about this in the book as well, is the relationship that my children built with their grandparents, my oh. mother and my stepfather, because you know, they babysat a lot. They even came on a vacation with us very early on. I had planned a trip with my children and <laughs> they were like, we're, we're coming with you. So, you know, they really, over the years, built this wonderful relationship with my kids. They make their own plans with their grandparents and, you know, I'm invited along. I'm the tag along. So, <laughs> You know, I think my son recently said, you know, Scrabble, that's what he plays with my mother and my stepfather, like not playing that with me. So, you know, it's great. And my mother is a movie buff and she, you know, always watched movies with my kids when she was babysitting so I could go out and have some time to myself. Right. And I had one child go to film school. My son is very much a movie buff. So, you know. That's amazing. That is. They left their mark. Yeah. Yeah. That is a huge silver lining in all of this. Mm -hmm. It's just so lucky they were close by enough and that you had that rapport. 
That is huge. I was super close to my grandparents. And I mean, they were powerful as far as their impact on me growing up. I mean, it was, yeah, I think that's amazing. I think a lot of families don't have that as much anymore. We're much more spread out as a society. And you see, you know, kids don't have that contact with their grandparents. And I do think yeah. there's a lot of benefit to that. Yeah, so um, that's, so they're close to this day with them. So it, it's great. It's really nice. That's amazing. Now, have your kids been able to go to Hong Kong? I know with the pandemic, that probably put a big nix on it, but have they been able to since then? Or what does that look like for them? They haven't gone since, but they had gone before. So the pandemic was just very difficult for my family, as it was for many others. But it really, because of where my ex-husband lives, Right. Made it so difficult and he wasn't able to see the children for over two years. So that, you know, was very, very difficult. But they speak, you know, over Zoom, you know, FaceTime all the time and every day. So, you know, there's ways. And so if you're co-parenting with someone who's far away, you know, I'm here to tell you it can still be done. It may not be what you envisioned, but you know, there's still ways to keep a relationship. It's not opportune, but there's ways to still keep a connection. And I'm sure you've seen this as a divorce attorney. There are parents who live within walking distance who don't see their children, don't do what they're supposed to do, you know. Yeah. So It's amazing how creative people can get. I actually was talking to Doug, my husband, who, you know, has two children from his prior marriage. So combined, we're a family of six kids. But when his daughters were young, so he was still married, his daughters were young, but he was in the Coast Guard and he would go out and be, you know, on a ship in the Arctic for months at a time. And there's not like there was cell service and all this, you know, it was really hard. Well, he would create these tapes where he would read books to his daughters on these different tapes, and then they would have them and he would leave, you know, like one of his favorite t-shirts or whatever. And so they would sleep with his t-shirt, listen to the book, you know, with their dad reading. And I just thought that was such a creative, I mean, such a simple thing, but such a creative way to try to build that closeness, even though he literally was, you know, thousands of miles away in the art, but just being able to hear their dad's voice every day. So important. Really powerful. Yeah. So where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. Well, it's fascinating. All the things I think, I mean, we talk about silver linings. I think COVID really helped us understand a lot about how we can connect even when we're not together, whether it's, you know, because we're 8,000 miles away or we're just 10 houses away, but we have somebody who's maybe immunocompromised or something and, you know, Mm -hmm. couldn't have that contact, but realizing that there are creative ways to build that rapport and do the things. And I think my kids were one step ahead, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. They had already had this experience. So they kind Mm -hmm. of knew. Well, and the fact that you really, I mean, you talk about how they call each other and are in communication. Like it doesn't sound like you get involved in that at all. Like they just have their relationship and they're doing their thing. I mean, what are some tips you give co-parents? Like if you're ever talking to somebody who's going through this, how would you help somebody learn? How do you co-parent, you know, in a peaceful way to kind of allow your children to build a really good rapport? Well, I I also just want to backtrack 
for one second. My before before COVID, my ex-husband came and visited a right. lot. You know, for someone that far away, he was here like every month, every couple of months. So that was a shame when that happens. But yep. how do you kind of facilitate the relationship? Just don't get involved. And believe me, I can tell you it's tempting to get involved. But, um, you know, people would say to me, like, how do you stand listening you know, to your ex-husband? Because I, I, I walk in a room and, you know, he's on FaceTime like last night, you know. I, he was on FaceTime with my son and, you know, it doesn't bother me. It's fine. And, you know, I'm sitting there. I said to my son, what do you want for dinner tomorrow? And we ended up having this whole interaction about, you know, what am I making for dinner? What time are, or does he want to eat when he comes home from school? And my ex-husband was sitting there. He's like, wow, like, you know, it was just kind of, he was like a fly on the wall listening to right. what goes on here. And I laughed and, you know, we kind of laughed about it together. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's fascinating stuff, but, right. you know, it's kind of like he's in the room. And I think, you know, you have to get past, oh my God, you know, my ex-husband's voice is echoing in the house. Okay. You know, that's their dad. And people would say things to me over the years, which, you know, I think this is also, if you know somebody who's going through a divorce, you have to be, you love your friends and you see them going through a bad time and going through pain, but it's also hurtful. And even though the person's being supportive, if you say something about that person's ex, that, you know, the, the children's parents, other parents, yeah. it just, it cuts and you have to be careful, even though you think you're being supportive right. by saying, Oh, that person is horrible. I don't know how you deal with that. You're actually not being supportive. Being supportive is really, you know, showing respect for the relationship, even the relationship that once was. And, you know, for whatever it's worth, you know, that's my children's father. You know, I hope the sentiment is the same on the mother. And, you know, you always have that. So, you know, you really have to respect it and protect it. Yeah. That's such good advice. I mean, such good advice about protecting and respecting that relationship. I think it's so important. I mean, in, you know, in simple terms, I mean, and we divorce lawyers think about this, the children are half of you and half of him. Like, so it's so important, I think, to help the children find the beauty in both those halves, you know, and understanding what the great things are in each of their parents, because they have inherited, you know, obviously, you know, we're not talking about adoption or whatever, but, you know, they have inherited genes from each of these people. And even I, with adopted children, oh, you, you develop, great. you know, personality, like your environment, Completely. that person has I mean, influenced you. Oh yeah. Yes. As a, an adopted person myself. Like, yes, I completely agree. Yeah. But it, it is so important to respect that other person and respect that relationship. And I know with my own children, when they would struggle, you know how teenagers are, they're always struggling with, you know, they don't want to do <laughs> this or do that. And I used to tell them, I'm like, you know, your dad is like one of the smartest people around and he makes some of the best dinners on the planet out of nothing. He can open the refrigerator and it looks empty to me, but that man can put together a gourmet meal out of, I don't even know what. And so I used to be like, why don't you go over like, 
have your dad cook you some dinner, sit around and discuss world politics, you know, and, Mm -hmm. you know, how you can solve the world problems. And I'm like, that is some of your dad's greatest strengths. Like right there, you can go enjoy them. But just being that where you're reminding them of these qualities that are positive, you know, and that these are part of them, you know, they too are smart and they too have these creative sides that I don't have. And so, yeah, I think that that's such an important thing to remind your children and remind the people around you. Did you have to do that with your parents at all? Or how did your parents kind of wrap their arms around this whole thing? Were they supportive of your relationship with your ex? Oh, yeah. No, Uh, my mother has known my ex-husband since he's 17 years old. So, you know, she's, you know, she, she's got an affection for him, you know, despite everything (laughs) for whatever that's worth, you know, you grow up with people and again, you know, we're all human and, you know, you can't just dismiss somebody, I guess you can, but, you know, you don't have to dismiss somebody. Right. You don't have to just cut them out of your lives like that. So again, he's still my children's father and right. they are who they are also because of him. So absolutely. I love that. I mean, that is so powerful too. I really wish I got to meet your parents because that again, as a divorce attorney, we see so much where the parents will, you know, get on this kind of tribal warfare where, you know, they'll jump on sides and then they get involved. And it's like, oh my, can we please get this down? the worst. Oh, it's hard. I'm telling you, like, we just had a graduation party for my daughter and it was so nice because we had both sides of the family there and everybody, you know, was getting along and it was just, it was like a wonderful evening. And it's like, you know, we're 10 years in the future and it's just nice to see everybody together because, you know, that's my children's family. That's yes. their entire family. So everybody in the same room, that's what they love. You know, totally. like it was an enjoyable night because, you know, we're all celebrating these, you know, the kids. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's powerful. I think going to college graduation, I had that same experience when my daughter graduated from Smith. That was the first time we all were together, like in a, a function, like we had all traveled out to Northampton and we were all staying in the same hotel and going to dinners together, you know, for the graduation. And it was really powerful. And to see the whole family get along and be able to be together, I think is a, it's really important for the children. I think it is so important for the children. It is. But if you're also, I want to say, and I'm sure you know this, <laughs> even you've seen so much, if you are in a toxic situation, it's okay to have boundaries where you don't have to be in the same room. You know, that self-protection is still important. Yeah. And, so, and it takes practice. Again, you know, some people, you know, everyone's different. You may never get to that point. Right. But what you don't want to do is just tarnish the relationship for your kids. And I think that's the one thing that you don't have to do just to make sure not to do is tarnish that relationship. I cannot wait for your book to get into the hands (laughs) of so many people. I just think it is going to be such a powerful read for so, so many people who are going through this, but also who have gone through this just to, I mean, your writing is so powerful and you just like bring things to life through your words. And so, I mean, I just am so excited for this book to get out into the world. Well, tell (laughs) us 
how can listeners find you? Like if they want to read more about your story, get your book, like where should they go to do that? Okay. So I have a landing page for the book. It's stacyfreeman.com, S-T-A-C-E-Y-F-R-E-E-M-A-N.com. The book is on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, IndieBound. So it's, I bought my husband's mistress lingerie. <laughs> Not forgettable. And yeah, if you just look it up, there's different places where you can uh, get a hold of it. So Well, I'm just so excited. And again, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us about this. It's such, I mean, such an important topic. It's unfortunate how many people go through this type of betrayal and boy, is it powerful. And you have made such amazing decisions. I understand with bumps along the way, but many bumps and a lot of time. (laughs) But I just, I think you have to give yourself real credit for what you have done. And your children are such an example of the why behind all that, you know, watching them succeed and go on and become young adults. It's pretty powerful. So, well, thanks again, Stacey. Yeah. And I hope you enjoyed the rest of your day. You too, Elise. Thanks, Stacey. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mom Podcast, a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. See you next time.